Chapter Twenty Five of Making Fate by Pansy. The Slibrivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five Opportunities. The last sentence had closed with the most disagreeable form of Estelle's disagreeable little laugh, and Marjorie had gone away a few minutes thereafter, wondering sorrowfully what could have come between them since their last talk together. Estelle had been indifferent enough then but not almost bitter. Could it be that she had an unfortunate way of talking about religious matters which awakened the prejudices of others? And were Ralph and Estelle between them going to make little Glyde's life a trial, instead of a joy to herself and a blessing to others? She was right in her impression of a barrier having been set up between Estelle and herself since their last meeting many of her words on that occasion had been reported to ralph not carefully for estelle was not by nature a careful reporter as has been said before she gave often her impression of facts instead of the facts themselves therefore the unpleasant impression she had received from marjorie's criticism of ralph's business was duly reported in such a way that they made ralph's dark face flush and his eyes look fierce for instance this don't you believe ralph she says you cannot be a christian because you are a clerk in a distillery did you ever hear of such absurd nonsense indeed he had said haughtily what am i then a hypocrite after hearing all that estelle had to tell he had said with almost an air of authority i think my dear that the less you have to do in the future with that young woman the better it will be for you and for all concerned she is evidently not the marjorie we used to know intimately constant fellowship with a fanatic and a prig are making their impress upon her she has chosen her own ways and must be allowed to go in them it will be just as agreeable perhaps if our ways do not lie in the same direction and then estelle who had fancied that he would like it if she would be very intimate with marjorie immediately changed her intention somewhat relieved thereat admitting not only to herself but to him that marjorie was not quite to her mind she liked her of course as did all the girls but then she had always been queer and was queerer now since she had taken up these peculiar ideas with regard to religion she has become simply an echo of mr maxwell she added laughing it is undoubtedly his influence which has so changed her he is as you say a fanatic i have not exchanged a dozen sentences with him but i can see that i wonder if your influence will be as forceful over me as his is over her at least i am glad that you are not fanatically inclined well i shall have as little to do with her as politeness will permit so it came to pass that after this exchange of calls there were days even weeks together when the two did not meet marjorie had by no means cast off either estelle or ralph she had prayed and was praying for them too earnestly to do this she thought about them a great deal always coupling their names in her thoughts with a resolute determination which would have been pitiful to one who could understand the human heart loyalty in thought as well as in action was a necessity to a nature like hers she watched for the two each week in the prayer meeting 
but they did not come part of the time it was headache and disinclination but often so far as ralph was concerned it was genuine detention at his place of business as the weeks went by and he succeeded in proving himself a success in his work more and more heavy responsibility was laid upon him and more entirely was he trusted this was all very pleasant from one point of view but it made his work hard and his evenings sometimes short and full of anxiety meantime marjorie received one day an unexpected call from hannah bramlett she had never been intimate with this young woman chiefly perhaps because of the disparity in their ages and while she had not shared the manifest dislike of estelle douglas she yet confessed to herself that she did not feel drawn to the girl in any way intimate as she had been with ralph during these many years she and his sister had not exchanged a dozen calls in their lives and of late had had hardly even a speaking acquaintance it was therefore with surprise and a little nervous query as to why she had come and what they should talk about that marjorie went down to receive her i have been wanting to come and see you for a week or two began hannah abruptly as soon as the ordinary civilities had been exchanged i wanted to have a talk with you i heard you had been converted is it so why i knew it must be so you go to prayer meeting every week now they say and have taken a class in sunday school i want to teach in the sunday school but there is no one to go with me anywhere i wish there were or else that women did not have to be hedged in by all sorts of rules well that's not what i came for what i wanted to talk to you about was doing things the church sunday school comes at a time when i can't leave home mother isn't well she doesn't get her strength back she was a good deal sicker than they thought that time when i was away i have to look after things a good deal that she used to see to herself so i'm needed just at sunday school time now what is there that i can do perhaps you will wonder why i don't ask my own brother since i've come to a beginner and he is one but the truth is he hasn't your kind of beginning his is estelle douglas's kind and that's a pity i think he is in earnest at least i hope he is but he is young and busy and easily influenced and estelle douglas isn't the sort of girl to influence a young man like that in the right way it is a pity to have to say so i oughtn't to do it perhaps since they are engaged to each other but i'm not saying it out on the street you know them both i used to think marjorie that you were to be my sister and i always liked the notion excuse me for speaking of it she added deprecatingly as she saw the red on marjorie's cheeks deepen and spread i don't mean to be rude they have always called me blunt and i suppose i am i never succeed in saying the right thing somehow what i mean is that you seem different from other girls you always have been for that matter and i thought you would be a different kind of a christian from others i have never been satisfied with my religion it is genuine i think what i've got of it but you can't keep a thing like that corked up all the while and do nothing for anybody else and have it amount to much oh i know there is work at home that is what dr ford tells me but it is work that i can't do except housework and things of that kind i can do plenty of that and i do do it 
i'm not planning to shirk it but i want a little bit of the other kind just enough to keep me alive mother is a christian woman if ever there was one and she doesn't need any doing for in that line and father well there isn't a living thing i can do for him except to make him as comfortable as i know how and look after his clothes and all that father is bound up in ralph and ralph can influence him but i can't he doesn't even think i'm grown up yet though i am going on to twenty-seven years he just thinks of me as a little girl who ought to stay at home and mind her mother and be good and mother thinks that i am hard on ralph because i see his faults and speak of them once in a while when i love every hair of his head better than i do my whole body i'd die for him any time but there that's nothing to do with what i want to talk about the point is marjorie isn't there a living thing for me to do in the world for somebody i get so downright sick of myself sometimes that it doesn't seem as though i could endure myself any longer i thought that when ralph joined the church perhaps it would be different perhaps he would go to work at something somewhere and i could get in i thought about his coming home early on prayer meeting nights and me having his supper ready and he driving back to town and taking me along but he doesn't do anything of the kind half the time he can't help it he has to stay in that old distillery so late that he loses all the early trains and a good deal of the time he doesn't come home at all until eleven or twelve o'clock he stops at douglas's and has his supper there and lounges in their back parlor and is petted by estelle that is natural too of course i have no business to find fault with it but it isn't the way i planned nothing ever was or ever will be i presume but i just thought that i would come and have a talk with you and ask if you knew anything in life that a body like me could do isn't there a poor girl or a poor boy somewhere who hasn't any friends whom even i could help marjorie regarded her caller with the deepest interest and sympathy this was different from any hannah bramlett that she had known her talk sounded like the cry of a hungry soul would it be possible for one who felt the need of being herself set to work to help this other one there are people enough who need your help she said at last if we only knew where to find them with so much to be done in the world it is an infinite pity that one who is willing to work should not find the people and the opportunity the people who need helping are more easily found than the opportunity i have been thinking all the morning of one who is in sore need but how to reach him in any way i haven't the least idea have you ever heard of a man by the name of jack taylor i have become painfully interested in him quite lately it is only a short time since he buried his wife while she lay dead in the house he reeled home intoxicated not knowing what had happened it was a terrible shock to him sobered him at once he has been in a wretched condition ever since it seems that the poor fellow loved her in spite of his treatment of her and now that it can do her no good he is trying to reform but it is going to be very hard work he is utterly discouraged he feels that he has disgraced himself in the eyes of all who know him and that he has no friends i know a jack taylor by sight said hannah but he cannot be the one you are talking about this one is a mere boy 
i noticed him a few days ago passing our house and asked father who he was he said he was a worthless fellow whose name was jack taylor he had secured work at the simmons place that is half a mile or so beyond us but he supposed he wouldn't keep it long because he didn't stay sober twenty-four hours at a time the character fits the one you know but this fellow cannot be more than nineteen it is the same one said marjorie he looks like a boy and is a boy in fact not twenty-two yet though he has been married nearly two years we heard that he had gotten work at the simmons place i do hope he can keep it if he did not have to pass a dozen saloons on his way out there i should have more hope of him he goes back and forth you say i wonder if it would not be possible for them to let him sleep their nights so that he would not be subject to so much temptation i don't know said hannah i wonder if it can be possible that that poor fellow is a widower it is a pity to have so young a life wasted i couldn't help noticing him as he passed he looked so utterly discouraged as though he had lost all hope in the world i might set a trap for him at our house perhaps and have him step in and get a little acquainted i wish you would said marjorie earnestly perhaps that is your opportunity somebody will have to help him and that very soon if he is to be saved wouldn't it be a glorious thing if you could lead him to the only one who can save him she was touched to see how hannah's face brightened the woman was actually longing to be of use in the world i might try it she said rising to go and speaking with half-suppressed eagerness as though she could hardly wait for the opportunity i never have helped anybody so far as i know and i don't suppose i know how but he looks miserable enough for me to make the trial i couldn't make matters worse than they are now at least she went away with a brisk step and marjorie prayed for jack taylor that night with more faith than she had been able to exercise before during the weeks which followed life settled with marjorie into a sort of routine not by any means however a stagnation she set herself resolutely at work to be systematic and faithful in all that she undertook she planned her days with utmost care she began to give regular attention to her music once more and took up a neglected study of german with mr maxwell for a tutor in one way or another she and her mother continued to see much of mr maxwell nothing could be more natural or unpremeditated on their part than this since he was a lodger in their own house and spent much of his time at home the evening readings continued and broadened in their scope not popular books alone so called but real mental studies came in for their share of attention books which mr maxwell was reading in line with his work and which he insisted were much better appreciated when he had an audience then a very earnestly put question from marjorie when she met him in the hall one morning concerning the best ways of reading and studying the bible led him to ask soon afterwards if she and her mother would be willing to join him in a systematic course of bible study which he had laid out for himself he had planned to give one hour of each evening to it to accomplish as much as he could in that time and then turn resolutely away from it 
he added with a smile that he had discovered the study of the bible to be the most fascinating of all pursuits and that unless he hedged himself in with hours and minutes he was very much given to neglecting other work for this favorite study nothing that he had heretofore proposed had given marjorie so much satisfaction she felt more or less able to pursue other studies by herself but had been astonished and humiliated to discover what a very child she was in her knowledge of the bible a multitude of verses she knew and great was the help and comfort which she derived from them but any consecutive knowledge of the book as a book or as a compilation of many authors or as a history reaching over a long period of time she found she had not it came to pass therefore that every otherwise disengaged evening was systematically appropriated in this way and the back parlor of the edmonds home became to all intents and purposes a schoolroom the bible study came first they gave it the best of their evening from seven until eight o'clock and they grew so interested in their work both mother and daughter that very often mr maxwell's inexorable closing of the books as the mantel clock told eight was met by reproachful looks from them both from eight to nine they took up the historical study which mr maxwell was pursuing in a line with his writing very delightful study it was to marjorie and apparently quite as satisfactory to her mother but the daughter often had qualms of conscience when alone over the thought that their teacher must surely be wasting very valuable time upon them it was eminently courteous in him to call it study for himself but nothing was more apparent than that he was already thoroughly conversant with his theme no question that she could ask found him unprepared and he welcomed questions so eagerly and was so thorough in his replies and led them so constantly into other lines of thought that while they made comparatively little progress with the text-book marjorie realized that she was gaining a very great deal out of the hour once or twice she hinted her fears but he met them graciously assuring her that he was getting out of those evenings much more than he could explain to her and that to review some of his former work in this direction was exactly the help which he needed for his book of course after that there was nothing more to be said from nine until ten they recreated as mr maxwell called it always there was some standard popular book to be taken up and with these three to take up a book meant not a hurried reading getting over the ground for the sake merely of the plot after the manner of superficial novel readers they read for the sake of the ideas and the language even more than for the plot nay they read more for the moral lessons or for the moral power evolved from the characters they studied than they did for either of these other reasons the consequence was that they stopped and studied over what they read comparing views and considering theories of their own which the book suggested so that as mr maxwell said gaily one evening we are making books as well as reading them occasionally i have the egotism to think that if we should write out our conversations carefully we might chance to make a book which the world would like to read and be the better for the reading which is much more important it would be very easy to write a book which the world would like to read 
if one did not care how one influenced that world. The German lessons came on what Mr. Maxwell announced was a leisure hour of his afternoons. On the whole, what with the work in the missionary society she had joined, and looking after the seven girls in her Sunday school class, Marjorie's time was quite fully employed. Of course, though they two lived alone and quite simply, there were more or less duties in the housekeeping line which fell to Marjorie. This had always been the case, and so far was she from disliking such work that she had rather prided herself upon her skill in that direction. The taste grew upon her rather than decreased, and she planned and executed many a dainty dish for Mr. Maxwell to carry to some of his numerous friends. Especially did the old professor and his wife have reason to rejoice in her constantly developing fondness for culinary matters. Not a week passed without some choice concoction of hers finding its way to their little round table, at which Mr. Maxwell confessed that he often made a third. The old gentleman used to be his favorite teacher away back in his early boyhood, and his love for and faith in him had increased with his increasing years. He admitted that he found a conversation with him now a better stimulus than almost anything else within his reach. So Marjorie planned liberally for three, and often packed with her own careful hands the basket which was to furnish the entire supper for the trio. Of course she was not without her hours for recreation. They began to take long walks together as the spring opened, she and her mother, and more and more frequently as the days grew sunnier and the roads drier, did Selim appear at the gate attached to a low, wide-seated carriage, while his owner explained that he had an errand on the foundry road, or the river road, or in the direction of the park, and was very tired of driving alone. Would not Mrs. Edmonds and Miss Edmonds keep him company? It was always Mrs. Edmonds whom he asked first, and she always went. They were really constantly together, mother and daughter, during those days, their companionship seeming more like that of an elder and younger sister. If Mrs. Edmonds sometimes sacrificed her own tastes and inclinations, and gave herself to walks and drives when she would rather have stayed quietly at home, she made no sign, but lived in the joy of her daughter's systematic, cheerful energy, for Marjorie was cheerful from morning till night. It is true her face was more often grave than otherwise, and her mother missed something of the merry playfulness which used to sparkle out on the slightest provocation, but there was no lack of cheer. It was a sweet, strong gravity, with not a trace of sullenness in it, and she made her life so busy and so regular that there was little time for brooding. She had been resolute about many things, and made her own little sacrifices too, of which she said nothing. That communicating door was opened early now each night. She wrote no words at all in her diary, and she would not let herself think connectedly about any of that part of her past which she felt did not now belong to her. Was she then forgetting Ralph Bramlett? You who understand young, true hearts smile over the question. They do not so easily forget. She made no attempt to deceive herself, but owned that she had loved Ralph Bramlett. 
but she remembered that he had of his own choice given her up and chosen another it would not only be a weakness but a sin for her to dally now and sentimentalize over the broken past if she meant to be true to herself to her mother and above all to god she must put away that which was not for her and live for what god had given her with the utmost of her strong young will she was doing this she believed that love and marriage and all that was involved in those two sacred words had been taken out of her life but she must not therefore waste it End of chapter 25